It's time for Thriller Thursdays here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. The Case of the One That Got Away, Part 2 The name is Justice. Jack Justice. The hard part to believe was that Sabian had gone fishing. Apparently on purpose. I found myself entirely incapable of picturing that heroic visage among the wilderness and other not-man-made things. Dot had invited him and his lady friend to our little house in the suburbs twice, and on each occasion Sabian had looked like he might expire from a deadly combination of fresh air poisoning and a crippling sunshine allergy, and we live eleven blocks from the freeway ramp. Sabian in nature was deeply unnatural. It was out of character, which suggested there was more afoot than we knew. From an investigative point of view, this seemed like an excellent break in at least one way. Any sore thumb that sticks out that badly has got to be easy to spot. There may be a number of fishing resorts just outside of Ridgeway on Highway 77, but how many of them were currently on fire, with a blockish man at the heart of the maelstrom moaning loudly about his inability to find a decent bagel this far from downtown? Yet on our first pass, the row of resorts was shockingly undisturbed. Resorts, by the way, was an adjective either charitable or blatantly fraudulent, depending on who was applying it. These were motels with a dock and some boats, which seemed luxurious only when compared with the tents and good old fishing holes that must have been the alternative for the sporting gentleman. So we hadn't found Sabian, which was alright, because we didn't really have a functioning plan yet for either locating or thwarting the evil plans of hap-beaten escaped felon. Or actually, hap-beaten recently paroled felon, which had less of a ring to it. In spite of these difficulties, my partner was undeterred. This is stupid, she declared from the passenger seat for what I believe to be the seventh or possibly ten millionth time in the last hour. We don't even know what we're looking for. That gave me pause. I know what I'm looking for, I said, because it was true. I am looking for Sabian. What are you looking for? You know what I mean, she insisted. We don't even know what Half-Beaten looks like. We could be looking at him right now. Is he a tree? I asked seriously, casting my eyes on both sides of the road in a manner perfectly consistent with safe driving. Because if he isn't a tree, I don't see him. Watch the road before you kill us all, Trixie snapped. I just don't like it is all. Being out here without a clue what we're doing. Well, I have a clue what I'm doing, I said with a certain amount of deja vu. You know what I mean, she growled. We don't even know what this half-beaten did. Because Sabian had the files sealed downtown, I agreed. That must have taken some doing. That doesn't seem weird to you? Indescribably so, I nodded. Whatever Beaton did, it clearly got under Sabian's skin. Let's find the good lieutenant and tell him that his pet project is on the loose and that he knows the location of this wildly unlikely vacation spot and can we all go back to the city now and shoot him, please? Shoot Beaton? Or Sabian? Or you? I'm not a fussy man. King needs a walk, she said unhelpfully. You can tell that just by the way he hangs his head out of the window exactly like he has for the last hour, I offered. I need a walk, she glared daggers at me, and I assumed that meant we were mid-euphemism. 
Roger that, I said, pulling into a place with the deeply appropriate name of the Happy Wanderer Fishing Resort and Wilderness Emporium, and the girl detective departed in search of a powder room, while the crime-fighting hound and I stretched our legs. I don't know if you are a dog person, but I am mostly not, in spite of having had more than a few in the rural splendor of my youth, and also having been co-parenting King Jr. for many years now. Our relationship was not based on dog-master dynamic, but rather an arrangement between equals. And that meant that I worked hard to remember that taking time to smell the roses was more than just an old saying for him, it was a way of life. My patience came reluctantly, however, and our trip around behind the motel was not so much a walk as it was a slow progression from shrub to shrub, accompanied by a frantic attempt to decode olfactory information of which I could not begin to conceive. I had no intention of paying very close attention to the proceedings. However, the seventeenth object which the crime-fighting dog Deluxe chose to light upon was perhaps the greatest discovery of his career. Moments later, we were back out front of the Happy Wanderer with news for the girl detective who looked annoyed as usual. This is stupid, she said yet again. We aren't going to find anything just flailing around like this. I found Sabian's car, I offered. There was silence. Are you sure? She asked as if I was an idiot, which was fair enough. It's a 19-something or other Packard made almost entirely of rust. It looks like Hitler died in it, and the plates match. I made up that last part, but it sounded official, and it was Sabian's car right enough. There was another longer pause as Trixie processed her disgust. The dog found it, didn't he? She said at last. The dog did find it, I agreed, but I helped him, and it was really hard. Where is it? she asked. Around back of Unit 19, I said, pointing. Trixie blinked. So you walked as much as 15 feet off the beaten path. You are not only belittling my accomplishments, I pointed out, but the dogs as well. Don't listen to him, sweet baby, Trixie said in a voice such as one might speak to a small child if one was, you know, not Trixie. Mama loves you. Can I help you folks with something? inquired a man in a doorway marked Office. The man was marked as well by way of a name tag that read Hickory. Swear to God, Hickory. Trixie lit up like a neon sign in a cat house. Hickory never had a chance. I will spare you the gruesome details of how she carved him up and sundered him from any dignity he might have once possessed, but she did that, yes sir. Turned out the car belonged to one of a group of gentlemen who were out looking for trout just now, which I am almost entirely certain is a kind of fish, but I may have just been assuming that from context. The man's name was not Victor Sabian, but rather Victor Smith, and he was not a policeman but a retired ball-bearing salesman, all of which might have fooled a less determined pursuer. Hickory's description of the man in question, two hundred and some odd pounds, red face, no discernible neck, and hands like two flattened-out country hams, could only be Sabian. All of which is why, less than twenty minutes later, we three kings were in a rented boat plying the lake in a not-at-all expert manner in the very general direction of Hickory's vague hand-pointing. Even I had lost track of what we were supposed to be doing. So why is Sabian fishing under an assumed name? Trixie asked, shooing nearly invisible insects away from her face with her delicate claw. It's an interesting question, I agreed, trying without success to coax a little more speed out of the outboard engine. Or, you know, some... We should be caught up to him any time. You can ask him yourself. What makes you think we'll catch him? Trixie asked, scowling. He's been out here for hours. The boat ride part of fishing does not last as long as the sitting quietly part, I replied, hopefully. 
that sounded right to both of us, even if neither of us really knew, and we sailed on into history. I manned the engine masterfully, as you might imagine. Trixie sat spitting out bugs that were probably mostly imaginary at this point. King had decided that boat rides were even better than car rides, and he seemed to be having a very nice day indeed. The bright sunlight sinking lower now bounced aggressively off the water and made it difficult to see anything but the absence of light in places, and I quietly hoped that none of them were hull-piercing rocks or alligators. Those would also be bad, if zoologically unlikely. It was half an hour after the point where I had quietly decided that we were hopelessly lost and likely to die out here that we spotted the other boat, not in the lake at all, but dragged into the shallows, while three man-shaped shadows fished quietly from the shore near the weeds. Perhaps this is how one caught trout. If I had ever known, I had certainly forgotten. I cut the engine and drifted in, much to Trixie's disgust. Sabian! She called from far enough away that the most Sabian-shaped shadow was surprised by her voice. So much for the element of surprise. Sabian, what in blazes are you doing out here? She called again. And both of the other men looked at the big man in some degree of confusion. There was a skinny kid on his left, clean-shaven and with a wide-eyed befuddlement about his expression. He wore a badge not unlike Hickory's that suggested he was in the employ of the Happy Wanderer and that his name was Gary. To Sabian's right was a man who made the good lieutenant look positively delicate. He wore a flannel coat in red and black that made him look even more like a lumberjack, though in all fairness he probably would have looked like that in a tutu and fairy princess wings. His face looked as if the chances of him cracking a smile were distinctly low, because he was either made of leather or possibly high-quality beef jerky. We had his attention now, and he seemed to be reaching into his pack behind him as we approached. "'You folks have me mistaken for somebody else,' Sabian said more casually than Sabian ever said anything, though there was a flash of fire in his eyes and no mistake. "'Don't be an idiot,' Trixie said. "'This is important.' "'Important that you know how sorry we are for disturbing you,' I said with a cheerful wave. You really do look like somebody we know. I turned the nose of the boat around and headed back in the direction we had come, hugging the shoreline this time. We'll get out of your hair. The three men said nothing, and eventually stopped looking. The motor was so very far from powerful that Trixie had to wait quietly for an unspeakably long time before she could sputter her incoherent rage, which in addition to several not at all related speculations on the subject of my ancestry, seemed to be a demand for an explanation. Sabian renting a boat under an assumed name is one thing, I said, but stone-faced lying is another. Let's park this wreck in Potentia quietly and make our way back on foot. We were just there, she said with a wave of one hand in the direction of the fishing group and the other in the area of the increasingly imaginary insects around her. And the Marlboro man had the drop on us, I pointed out. Next time we'll fix that. You think the leather-faced guy is half-beaten, she said, getting it? Who else could it be? She shook her head, and I honestly couldn't tell if it was directed at the bugs or at me. So Sabian and his archenemy are fishing together, and they brought Skippy the paperboy with them? I don't have all the nuances down, I admitted, and for once we don't need them. There is bizarre behavior afoot, and we have the guns necessary to stop it and then figure it out if necessary. Agreed, she said, and we spoke not another word to preserve this fragile and extremely rare peace. We dragged the boat into the shallows silently, climbed ashore and traipsed through the woods all without a peep. The very next words we spoke were when we pulled our handguns on the back of the leather man's head. Hold it right there, beaten, Trixie said at the same moment as I said, Don't move, princess. We glared at one another in irritation. 
I didn't know you were going to do it, I snapped. It was my turn, she growled. You two are just the worst. Do you know that? Sabian said, his face in the palm of his hand. Fine way to talk to the people who saved you from the revenge of half-beaten, I said. The what? Skippy the paperboy said in astonishment. Half-beaten. Trixie picked up the thread. Escaped felon. Serial murderer. Or, you know, something. You know, I said, feeling some loss of momentum. Revenge and things? No, was all that Sabian said. Trixie was indignant. But Nelson told us you were in danger. Sabian clicked his teeth. And when you were saying that, did it sound stupid to you two? Kind of, Trixie admitted, reluctant to lower her gun. So why are you fishing with Hap Beaton? I'm not Hap Beaton, the leather man said. I'm Hap Beaton, Skippy the paperboy admitted. You don't have to tell them anything, Sabian said, his voice starting to return to its normal roar. I don't want you to get in any trouble, Beaton said without guile. I assure you I am not. Lieutenant Sabian is helping me get a job, Beaton said, as a fishing guide. This is his friend, Mr. Henderson. No, the leather man said. My name is Cyrus Merrick. I own a national chain of fishing resorts. Cyrus Merrick, Beaton exclaimed, clearly starstruck. Merrick and I set up this phony trip with the happy wanderer so he could give Beaton an audition without him getting nervous. Sabian scowled, hating that we were getting an explanation. No, Merrick said with a deeply improbable smile. That's what I said we would do. I know Lieutenant Sabian vouches for this young man, and I had decided if he didn't lead us into a pit of molten lava, I would find some way to use him and train him on the job. You will? Skippy had tears in his eyes. Oh, Mr. Merrick, you mean it? Wait, Trixie said. So both of these guys knew who you were, but you pretended to be someone else to maintain your not-very-clever web of lies? Uh, something like that, Sabian admitted. And you get why this was confusing for us, she continued. We could have shot most of you. I used a fake name and hid my car so Nelson wouldn't louse things up, Sabian growled. Little did I know he would call in some experts on the subject. Wait, I said, pointing to Beaton. What did you do, anyway? I thought Sabian was obsessed with your case or something. You don't have to say nothing, Sabian barked and turned back to me. He was a kid. Stole a couple of cars. His lawyer was an idiot and he went away for it. Sometimes that's my job. I didn't think it should cost him his whole life. Sometimes that's my job too. I don't know what to say, I admitted. What about all those days with Beaton written on the calendar? None of you. He was teaching me to read, Beaton admitted. We said nothing but stared at Sabian, who would not meet our gaze. Lieutenant Sabian said I'd never be anything if I didn't learn to read. He taught me in the prison library. It was fishing magazines that got through to me. I read every word I could about being a guide. That was my dream. A dream that looks like it may finally come true thanks to... Okay, but wait, Trixie said with a dismissive wave and turning to Merrick. You own a national chain of whatever you said. Merrick nodded. Fishing resorts. Nice ones, not like this. Trixie waved her hand for silence or possibly shooed more bugs. So how come you're taking on an ex-con on Sabian say-so, she asked. Merrick smiled again, wistfully this time. Well, you see, in my youth, I too committed a rash act and was saved by Victor Sabian. I recall stop. Trixie ordered, just stop. All of this unscheduled goodness is making me feel bad about myself. Please take me back to the city immediately so I can be surrounded by people who are much worse than me and also possibly punch Nelson in the throat.
That's tough but fair, I replied with the tip of my hat. Nice meeting you both. The Casebook of Justice and Dixon, number four, The Case of the One That Got Away, was written by Greg Taylor, read by Andrea Lyons and Greg Taylor, and presented by Dakota Ring Theater. Dakota Ring Theater Season 16 is powered by Patreon. If you would like to support the creation of new Justice and Dixon material, please visit patreon.com slash g-r-e-g-g-t-a-y-l-o-r, or look for the links on the show page. I thank you. This is Thursday Thrillers, audio with action on the Mutual Audio Network. Join us tomorrow on Mutual with Friday Follies, the end of the week collection of comedy cut-ups. You can subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of audio drama that fits your fancy. Or find the Friday Follies feed in your favorite podcast players. Now that's a lot of F's. This is the Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.